Welcome to She's Having an Episode, a podcast dedicated to TV's very best female characters. I'm screenwriter Layla London. I'm journalist Ashling O'Leary. And today we are discussing Andrea Mattel from Call My Agent, which is a show we both are truly obsessed with, no? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Very much so. Also in the rest of the world, it seems. I think so. Netflix really did some wonders for this niche French program, didn't it? Oh, yeah, it did. They just, like, took it out of, I mean, France. <laughs> and, uh, and it just, it was, um, I feel like this was a show that was very word of mouth to begin with. It was, um, I remember... Yeah, I was on my master's and a teacher was like, oh, you know, you all should be watching a comic agent as 10% in French, uh, which is 10% because it's about agents for actors and agents typically get 10% of the actor's uh, fee. So I started watching it and was just hooked. I mean, it's so sharp. It's it's so specific, the details. And it, I just, I think it's so successful in creating a world. And I think we're all obsessed with, you know, watching a world that's quite elite. Elite and being behind the scenes of something that we're so connected to anyway, right? TV and film and the things and people that make them a reality. It's, yeah, it's any sort of entertainment lover's wet dream, I think, to see what really happens behind closed doors. Yeah, I know. It's so successful that remakes are being developed in China, Italy, Spain, Germany, and I think the US as well. Obviously, there was the one in the UK, which was just not as good. <laughs> I, I quite liked it personally, but I know that there there are varying reviews um, and nothing nothing really will beat the original, will it? It's just... No, it's it's like when they tried, they tried to, um, they did a, they adapted Fleabag in France and it did just... They? Yeah, yeah. And... <laughs> I know, and Andrea was the star. She was Fleabag, and it just tanked. It just wasn't successful because Fleabag inherently is so British, you know? She is very goofy and awkward, and French women don't do goofy and awkward. They are, like, typically... They're typically sexy and very... um, And are they sure of themselves? I think so. Well, I think I think, think that's very is... from French woman to French woman. They That's what I'm thinking. For yeah. the stereotype is definitely sexy and confident and Andrea yeah. particularly is that person. But mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. Fleabag is just too authored. Phoebe Waller-Bridge is Fleabag and vice versa, you know? It's it's a strange format to try and take into a different place. Um, yeah. But when it comes to Andrea Played by Kamikoza. I also feel like I might just start speaking in weird French accents this whole podcast. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But she is pretty much a force to be reckoned with. In the cutthroat world, she's made her own. Andrea stops at nothing to ensure her client's success or her own. She has the kind of authoritarian charm most mere humans can only dream of possessing, marking a journey of many wins, motivating losses, and more than a few sacrifices, all of which made us go, well, she's having an episode. Ashling, give me those fun facts en français, or English properly in English. (laughs) 
I shall trot on in English. (laughs) (laughs) What a lovely intro. I imagine uh, Andrea would be sincerely flattered wherever. Uh, To be honest, she would just be like, thank you, thank you. She would just be like, yes, that is me. Um, Do you think, like, I just don't think she'd be, Andrea would be someone who is bashful about an intro like that. Do you think? If Andrea was in this digital room we're currently in, I think she would have maybe been like, and you've missed out. (laughs) (laughs) Accomplishments here. You're so right. She really would have. Yeah. Um, Right. Fun facts. Uh, So each episode, uh, despite the many celebrity cameos, the thing about the the crux of Call Me Agent is the fact that each episode, it revolves around some sort of famous actor, right? Um, But they're not actually written with a specific actor in mind. It's more that once an actor is chosen, the story is adapted to their personality or a version of their persona. So, for example, the episode with Sigourney Weaver was first written for Jane Fonda. Oh, I know. I'm right. so excited to hear that. And also, that is my favorite episode. I can talk about that episode till the cows fucking come home. But <laughs> I also don't want to jump in the deep end right right now because we are in fun fact portion, Layla. Shush. We're only at the beginning. Yeah, you got, you got to tease. got to tease the listeners. Right, sorry, listeners. Stay tuned for more on episode Sigourney as they pronounce it. <laughs> um, yeah, so once she accepted the role, uh, she didn't even read the script because she's such a huge fan. The episode was adapted for her. Obsessed. I know. And um, some more fun facts. So she based Andrea on a real life agent who she says is also super sexy. And also she was a bit influenced by Portia de Rossi and Ali McBeal. Stop it. You know. know how I feel about Portia and Ali <laughs> So, okay, I haven't I haven't finished Ali McBeal, so I didn't realise Portia was an Ali McBeal. Because to me, Portia is just Ellen's second half. Like, I'm just... And, like, her Wikipedia is, like, former actor. That poor woman. Like Former just, actor? Former actor. It's like, she got... She, she got with and that was it. <laughs> That's really sad. She's she's also in Arrested Development. She's an insane actor. Okay, I haven't seen Arrested Development either. Oh, jump that high on the list. It is quality television. Hun, there are so many on the list. Like, there's only I know. So much. There's only so much. <laughs> still still got to finish Ali McBeal so I can be <laughs> Portia de Rossi and just how good she is. <laughs> Makes sense. That's so interesting. Yeah. Mm, yeah, because she just likes the dichotomy of having this super feminine hair, but also just being very straightforward and always with the blazer, you know, just mm. the sharp fit. Which, well, she in, yeah. I mean, Nell Porter, who is the character that Portia de Rossi plays in Ally McBeal is, is very Andrea-like, actually. Now you've made that connection. I'm flipping through it all, but she's she's very serious. She's very feminine, but yeah, she definitely doesn't take anyone for a prisoner, and that is sort of Andrea's character to a T, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, she is. Uh, yeah, Andrea is just what's the word? She doesn't. She doesn't suffer fools gladly. I think is no what, what I'm thinking of. Yeah, <gasps> that has excited me, Ash. Um. So there are my fun facts. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Really enjoyed them. Um. Let's talk about Andrea then. What? Why do you love this woman? 
I I love her because she is someone who is just so she is so sharp she is so passionate about what she does and she is I'm just so captivated by strong women on screen Mm. and she's absolutely one of them she is someone who is you know just as good as the boys even like even though that's not really um uh tension in the show it's not really there's not like a boys club and the girls like she is presented she is definitely one of the team but she is someone who I just, like if I were working under I mean like at the, 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 the very first episode she is I mean I would hate to be her assistant she would just drive you mad she is someone you know when she's taking on her new agent uh Camille uh she's just like you know do you do you have any family do you have any relatives like do you have a social life like and then when Camille like you know says uh, no answers in the negative no family no boyfriend no social life you know Andrea's like great you got the job um because you know you're gonna sacrifice your whole life to this job it, like we are at everyone's beck and call where they're therapists where they're nanny where they're chauffeur where everything to these actors and um i mean that for me is like a little bit too much to be honest i'm just like girl like come on take a break have a life do you know can Um, i ask you a question though in that vein i Mm. think saying that you know she's just as good as the guys but actually you'd hate to work for her isn't everyone in that office dedicated to their job as as their life every single Mm. person lives and breathes the industry and is at each other's beck and call their clients beck and call right i think it's it's so interesting how do i word this it's so interesting to me in re-watching that first episode that actually i don't think she treats her assistant terribly at all I think she's very direct, but so is everybody else in the office. Nobody is any more difficult than she is, right? Mm-hmm. But her assistant quits on her, which leads her to needing Cami basically to just hop in on the job. Great dramatic stakes, well done writing. Um, but the idea that I don't know, it's something that it feels inherently sexist, I think is what I'm trying to get at. That anyone talks to each other like Andrea is talking to her assistant in that office, but the person that can't handle it is a woman because a woman's asking it of her. Mm. For comparison, you have, oh my God, what's her name? The one that ends up sleeping with Matthias. Noemi. Oh yeah, Noemi. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. She takes harder shit all the time. And because it's at the beck and call of a man, the dynamics feel different. Mm. Yeah, you're right. Do you know what? It's because we we live in a society where that has that that relationship has been set up. It's just, you know, it's we're typically at men's beck and call. And whereas when when it comes to a woman, I think it there's still um yeah, there is a tension with that, perhaps. Um, I also think the assistant was pretty bad at her job. <laughs> it just it just wasn't for her. It wasn't a good fit. You know? I'm just like, because uh, those first episodes, she's sort of asking her, you know, we need to make this call. We need to make this deal, blah, 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 job of an assistant. But she also says, oh, cancel my date with whatever woman she's trying to reject. And the assistant is saying, oh, no, what do I 
tell her. And Andrea says something to the effect of tell her I'm bored of her as a joke, clearly. And she goes, okay, and takes that down as a note. What sort of assistant do you want that doesn't have a sense of humor? You know? No, I know. I also, yeah, I wonder how the woman did get the job. <laughs> yeah, no, that was that was that was great. That was a really good line, actually. But sorry, do go back to why you personally wouldn't work for her because that was just a very loose tangent. I don't know if I could handle that sort of pressure. I just feel like that is, and like trying to organize someone's schedule, so many different meetings and back to back to back. To, I mean, it's just a bit. It's a lot of. Do you know what it is? It's all about Andrea. And I'm like, nah. (laughs) Or do you want me? Thanks. (laughs) No, I think that's fair. Also, I think there are some people very suited to those roles, aren't they? For for Noemi, for example, she gets a huge thrill out of the organization and nailing everything and doing everything perfectly. And I don't think a creative person necessarily falls into that role. Wow. I bet you Noemi t- gets off on chats about Excel. I am not that person. I no. absolutely no, no. Like I just no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, I just like I, I just think like seeing such a strong woman at like Andrea just going in there and seeing and it's really she's just a very like inspiring figure in terms of, you know, a career woman. Um, but you know, I think also but there are like cracks at the seam, like, you know, just I her her first love is her job and it is the cinema and it is uh is she involved in theater as well i think her clients cross yeah all sort yeah. of verticals yeah and uh but you do see you know like she pushes the the she pushes people away you know they can't come close to her because like the career overwhelms all uh until Accountant. <laughs> Colette. Colette. Colette, yes. The way she says Colette is very intense. It may it's like quite jarring. <laughs> I find them a very interesting pairing. I just I just I don't know how I feel about Colette, to be honest. Well, this is something I also share with you, but I do think it's interesting, right? So we're at the start of this series. We see that Andrea's kind of a fuckboy. She really just wants to sleep with all the women she can. She's not catching feelings. She's breezing about Paris, you know, balls deep in vagina, for lack of a better phrase. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And then she rejects this woman on a dating app. She says, I don't like little girls like you, which is kind of a horrible thing to say to a person, gotta be honest. And then it turns out that woman she has rejected is her tax auditor in a state of panic, in the thing she cares about the most, right? This world, this agency is her life. And then this woman has the has the potential to be the biggest antagonist of her life because she's not only some woman she's passing on a street and insulted, but she's in her home. She's in the space she cares about most. Um, it's very complex. And I think if I was in her situation, I'd die a quick death. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Could you imagine? About, that's the thing about dating apps though. Like that <laughs> sort of storyline, it can happen. It can happen. It is yeah yeah it's not i mean you've run into people you've uh 
<laughs> have, have you not have you not Layla in the past we all have we all have man <laughs> yeah and it is that thing. it is like a proper Miranda moment from Sex in the City of just being like fuck no and then just like walking the other way <laughs> exactly but in this in this case Andrea doesn't have that opportunity she has to face this woman who is clearly committed to making her life difficult yeah yeah no it's it's brilliant writing uh it's a brilliant plot line um but what you're actually just back about just her her like sleeping with all the women that's what i love about andrea well. how just how horny she is i just love her <laughs> just like sleeping around and just her she's just so sexual and that is just part of her just part of her life and but it is very like i work really hard and then I go oh, fuck hello. someone and then I like go back to work uh barely a hair out of place and I just I, I kind of just it's it, you know it's almost like the when you're watching tv growing up and I think it's like I'm thinking about sex and said it almost kind of like is that sort of you know you're growing up watching career women and you're trying to find like someone you identify with or someone who's like a role model of sorts and in a way I can see how Andrea would be like a role model you just be like oh my gosh she dresses so well so chic um I mean granted it's only it's like the same two colors over and over it's like black and white navy and white like it's just it's like very quintessential French style um <laughs> but you know what it works she's always looking sharp and uh mm. but she's someone who's just like it seems like she's well not just having her cake and eating it too but like getting as close to it as as a modern as a modern woman i think yeah yeah i totally agree yeah. with you i also think it's really refreshing to see a hypersexual female character that doesn't necessarily dress or present themselves sexually, right? If we think about the obvious antithesis, like the Samantha Jones of a series, you have somebody who wears very tiny dresses, very high heels, and they look amazing on her. And it's a part of her character and what makes her so great. But Andrea is sort of chic and business casual. And then all she thinks about outside of work is sex. It's a really refreshing dynamic to see and something that feels inherently very French, actually. Yeah. And also in a in a way, like I feel like that is more fleabag than trying to do some sort of French version of fleabag. Like it, yes. it is a part of fleabag's persona. Um so yeah, and what I like is she's she's never the object of desire. She's always the one desiring. I think that as a woman, it's really powerful seeing that. Mm. It's really refreshing. And that's it. So with Colette in the end, she, instead of shying away in a corner, she decides to seduce her. <laughs> it's like, if, I, if you can't beat him, fuck him. <laughs> I mean, it could be it could have been a HR disaster. Just want to put that truly. Out but when the owner is dead, like who is HR in that company? <laughs> no, it's true. It's it's inappropriate. This is not something we're recommending you do with your tax auditors, listeners. Um, yeah, stay on because that that could be hairy. Now that could be really hairy. Yeah. <laughs> But she does fall for it, right? They end up mm. weirdly falling in love? Question mark. Mm. Are they in do love? You know, I don't know. What I just do you know what? Do you know who Colette reminds me of? Who? Tara. 
from Buffy. Stop it. Mm. Oh, her name alone <laughs> makes my blood boil. Do you know what I mean? A bit of a limp lesbian. It's just like, oh, she's so weak and, and a bit insipid. I'm just like, like, oh like, gosh. yeah. Yes. Yeah. She is a limp lesbian. <laughs> that, is, that is what those women portray, right? Mm, the most yeah. like docile nothing version of a person that's it that's why it's really hard to, for me to believe actually that andrea was in love with her because she's witty she's intelligent she's motivated she has the ability to sort of like have charisma with a plastic bag why choose this plastic bag of a person you know (laughs) i'm sure she's got lovely qualities but no the dynamic is is difficult to believe maybe maybe there's a version where actually on the inside she just is like god i've spent all this time seducing her she's nice to sleep with might as well just keep it going Mm. need someone to look after my baby (laughs) I just I do wonder if there is a bit of like I I suppose there's a softness to Colette that is it provides a nice contrast to Andrea's hardness Mm. and I imagine that that is something that would have really attracted Andrea she's looking for someone to take care of her to just look after her a bit and even though she might she wouldn't be loud about that fact but like you know, deep down inside, she's just looking for someone to nurture her a bit because she is, she's so in control everywhere else in her life. She is the big boss. She has loads of responsibilities and like, obviously she gets off on that, but also it's really wearing. Mm. It's interesting though, isn't it? Because I don't get the sense that she needs to be nurtured. I think Mm -hmm. that it's quite difficult, isn't it? It's an interesting thing to bring up because I'm trying to think about her throughout the series and if she ever really has a moment where she needs to be nurtured. But actually, like even in her lowest moments, she's very proactive. She's still very engaged. She never sort of crumbles into herself, does she? She's very interesting in that sense. Because I think traditionally and definitely like me as a person, I am motivated. I am big energy. I am hard, hard, hard. And then I like, I'm also the most emotional person in the world. So (laughs) it doesn't Mm. feel relatable, but I'm thinking about her and how she deals with the challenges of, you know, becoming pregnant by somebody she doesn't like, losing a love losing potentially her business her clients all sorts and there's never a moment of true stereotypical weakness she just Mm. maybe she just doesn't show weakness at all i feel like i have there's nothing in my memory and it may just be a fault in you know watching the series a year ago (laughs) uh but it doesn't feel like i ever saw her truly weak well, her weakness is her job. <laughs> um, you know, like by no, like it is. Um, it's it's her blind spot. It is. She goes hell to leather for her clients. She, you, you know, she, like the family comes second. Like it is about. It's about her job above all. Um, but I was thinking there'd be a funny episode. Actually, Andrea does therapy. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> I I would love to see that as a season five thing. 
Yeah, I but know. Because Actually, that, that is the first moment she's sort of weak or has a personal slash professional realization, isn't it? It was the very end of season four, post Sigourney and Star Media. Uh, walk me through that again. <laughs> Basic, basically, all the clients are stolen. It really it makes her realize she's put her child, her life, her love, etc., uh, on the back burner um, for mm. something that she may have now lost, and that is a big sort of cliffhanger for the end of season four. Um, mm. And we do not have answers to that yet because writer strike, actor strike, <laughs> etc. They're meant to be making a short film aren't they of come agent yes uh they are making season five and a 90-ish minute film if the reports speak true uh, which i'm thrilled about because i cannot yeah. imagine what sort of actors are going to get in for a film version of this show it's going to be intense but also bring back 90 minute films <laughs> <laughs> Yes, uh, ringing endorsement. Perfect amount of time. Yes, I second I that motion. Absolutely. Like films are too long these days. Um, they are. I mean, I just feel like there was really a period where they were like all three hours long or like two and a half hours, and it's just no. Mm. Just bring it back to ninety minutes, and um, yeah. So I agree. I think yeah. like just the and this is me just being shit. Uh, <laughs> as a demanding person, uh, I think there is TV and there is film. TV explores character. It takes hours and hours to look at people's lives, how they react to situation, how they solve problems, how they reach their goals, whatever it may be. Film is a condensed story where you sometimes get the opportunity to really get to know a character, but really you're saying, here's a mission, here's how we do or don't complete it. Like, it does not take three hours to tell that story, right? Mm. Most stories should fit naturally. And this is actually just my screenwriter side <laughs> of my brain coming in. It should take mm. about 90 to maximum 130 pages. And if they take longer than that, that is a TV show. You're not turning into a TV show. Mm, yeah, I also think it's a great challenge for any writer to try and tell a story and it 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 makes your writing sharper mm. if you just yeah cut the word count <laughs> I, I hard agree um yeah i can't and i actually i can't wait to see the comma agent movie or oh yeah these poissons movie i'll be really interested to see how they shoot mm. it and what the plot will be considering they've spent what is it 32 episodes with these characters already it'll be a really interesting change of format I wonder if they'll go to LA. Oh God, imagine. I, ma I imagine there'll be a trip. Oh, Maybe. that's exactly what it will be, Ash. You're so right. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I, they, if it's not that, they've missed a trick there because that is global audiences sold, isn't it? I tell you, I just think we come up with the best ideas on this show. People want to hire, want to hire us. We are open for business. Right? <laughs> yeah. No, it's yeah. so true. And like one of the things, one of my um, producers, my favorite people actually in this industry, David P. Davis, shout out. He always says to me, there is a show that basically the difference between a show and a movie 
is realistically you should be able with a show to have six seasons and a movie right you should be able to spend enough time with somebody that you can fill years and years of their stories and their life and then at the finale of that have something that people go oh yes i will go pay now to see a movie version of this story and this world that i love um mm. six seasons and a movie is the goal as far as dave and i are concerned <laughs> ambitious because as we know people aren't paying writers to do six seasons uh at all at the moment but mm. it's it's the dream it's the dream can viewers commit to six seasons of anything today though I feel like I haven't watched six seasons of any, like, I feel like I will always watch the first two and then I kind of drop off, depending. I think these days. there is that as a potential threat. I think realistically, the things that could last six seasons are now being canceled sooner. I think, mm. for example, Glow could have been six seasons in a movie. Uh, they cut it too soon. I agree. And this, is, has- this is exactly it, right? There was... There's, there is tons of potential within TV, mm. but when you also don't know year by year what you're going to get, if you are going to be brought back, how you're going to be paid, what the future holds, you have to complete each season as if it were the final season. And with that mm. insecurity in mind, it's mm-hmm. really difficult to say, well, I need six seasons, unless you're doing an adaptation of something, in which case it's still difficult. But if you have six books, for example, you can say, well, of Mm -hmm. course, that's going to take six seasons. And that is a small, 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 small minority who are actually given those sorts of deals. Realistically, it's like a two to four year process to even get one series of something (laughs) Uh, Mm. the way the industry currently works. Um, But yeah, sorry, that's such a venture out of Andrea as a character, but something she would care about as an agent. (laughs) She really would. You've also just got me thinking about potential movies of different series. I'm like, oh, I'm like, what would that look like? And yeah. (laughs) Which, Which ones are you thinking about? Uh, I'm thinking about Bad Sisters. I'm thinking about, oh shoot, it just left my mind. And I was like, that would be a good one. Uh, I was also wondering what Succession would look like in a movie. I feel like that would be, that's right for a movie. Um, oh, although see, now I wouldn't, Bad I Dead, wouldn't. Yeah. I feel like it's, I honestly think it's like, I feel just maybe after the second season, I could see a movie, um, something like that. Yeah, so Andrea, uh, also, you know, I was doing like, you know, I was researching the character, I think was quite something I well, I came across was, um, well, I mean, just it highlighted how the show came out. So when she had the baby, so Andrea offers like a really interesting lens into queer parenting, right, with... Um, same Colette, I keep forgetting her name. That's, that's how limp she is. Uh, <laughs> she's quite forgettable. She's there the whole series, but we forget her name. But also, sorry, yeah, exactly. Like Colette is too sexy a name, I think, for Colette is like a really important writer. I just don't think Colette matches that woman's character as a name. Mm, interesting the thing is actually she's an amazing actor because she makes you feel these things about this person right that character is also quite fully formed but she doesn't seem right for andrea and because we love 
and we feel inspired by this woman to see her be with somebody so sort of vanilla feels a bit of a letdown for her. Are we just really hard on people, Leila? <laughs> I'm just thinking that. <laughs> suddenly like we love these strong women anyone who just like doesn't match that it's like no oh (laughs) yeah we're the worst for sure (laughs) (laughs) i'm just like oh my god intolerable yeah (laughs) no but uh, but at the same time i think we're especially within these sort of queer relationships we want them to be big and inspiring and special right and they don't feel like that andrea feels like that but there's something quite timid and uninspiring about Colette. And that is but maybe there's, cruel. There's space for that. There's space for that. Of any sort course, of relationship though. Just not in our heads. <laughs> and especially not for Andrea. Sorry, right. no. <laughs> exactly. I know, I know. But we must respect her choice. You we know, must. gotta let her go on that journey. She's you know? an adult woman who mm-hmm, makes her own mm-hmm. choices. Like having sex with a man and having his baby even though she's yeah. a lesbian <laughs> yeah 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 i know i know um and it just shows how fluid sexuality can be you know she's impregnated by this man and initially he's just like going to be hands off he's not going to get involved and suddenly he wants custody and so you see them having to come up against that battle um and so having to figure out a relationship around this child uh you know just the legal injustices that are faced by many queer parents today Mm. um and then you know, there's a rather nuanced depiction of her motherhood experience. Uh, despite the fact that she's the one carrying the child, it's actually Colette that bonds with the child. Yeah. And so it just, you know, emphasizes the fact that it's not always the biology. It's it's about just it's it's more than that. It can, it's like the parent it's the person who is there for you. It's who you connect with. It's about the choice and the proactive choice to be a parent, right? Yeah, yeah. Because obviously Colette would have just, Colette, you know, she shows up as being someone more maternal. And Andrea is, you, you, I just, I think it's that, it, you know, there's such a message in society that once a woman becomes pregnant, that the maternal instinct will kick in and they'll automatically love their babies and the bond will be so strong. Mm. And that is not the case here. And also it's not the case for many women and they feel really ashamed by that because that's not, it's not, that's not normal, Mm. you know, Um, according to society. It's just not normal for a mother not to like her baby or not to get on with it or not to not really want to be there with it all the time. And so it's really refreshing to see this on screen. Yeah. Uh, and also, and the fact that it's two mothers and it like just having that pay off each other. Yeah. It's really refreshing, isn't it? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And really thought-provoking, actually. I think it's quite interesting when the sort of average, I say, in very loose quotes, mother that you see on screen is very dedicated to that child or that family, even if they've not chosen to have a child, right? It sort of becomes their family. And they have a big realization that, God, actually, in the end, isn't it just about 
me and this tiny person at home and people move away from their former selves. And I think that's very true in real life too. It's very authentic storytelling, but this is a version of authenticity that we don't see on screen that much, that she doesn't prioritize that child. She really Mm -hmm. prioritizes her work still. It gets her in some very difficult situations, but it doesn't inherently mean she's a bad mother either. She's still caring for that child in the way she can. It's just not priority number one. Work is still right at the top and she is at the top too. Mm. So tied into her work, right? Yeah. And so, and these are traits that are like, that are inherently masculine, aren't they? Mm. Typically that's how they're presented. They are inherently masculine because, you know, if you swap it out with a man, like it's so accepted and so normal for a man to be just out of the home in the office all the time, committed and wedded to the work. He's the one bringing home the bacon, but no, you have a woman doing it and you're so right about it. It doesn't make her a bad person. You know, it's a, yeah, it's such a different form of, authenticity and such again it's such a modern way of being as a woman mm-hmm. and um at the time of filming uh the so IVF was only accessible to heterosexual couples in France who were married or cohabitating for two years or more at the time so this, mm. the series was released in 2021 and yeah, but it has since legalized IVF for lesbians and single women. Get it. I know. I I was just like, oh my God, single women couldn't get IVF. That actually really struck me. We live in a patriarchy. We really, really do. I, yeah, really, make, it's just, it's so interesting just where <laughs> these shows take you in your research. It's like, what? That was, yeah. So um, it's mad, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But actually, do you know what? You do see the benefit of Colette in like this scenario because Andrea's more than happy to go to the office. Colette is more than happy to stay at home and take care of that child. It's so true, isn't it? And actually, you know, to Colette's maybe testament, if somebody had cheated on you and you, vis- and you, you know, you saw it happening and then they were like, please come look after my baby. Even if you did have feelings for them, don't think it'd be something I prioritize, the sort of stay at home mother role for this self-obsessed, you know, (laughs) agent who's not actually going to be around, but I'm sort of a live-in housekeeper slash mother for. So she's a bit of a, she's a bit of a C word is Andrea in this relationship. Oh, an absolute dick. Sorry. She does take advantage of uh what's in front of her she sees someone who is happy to take care of the kids like yep great cool um (laughs) back to work i go thank you yeah she's a woman used to getting her own way like she fights hard for it but she is she ensures that she gets her own way Mm. and yeah she did uh i mean to an extent you know she did she want to get pregnant i don't think so but she went along with it and then just made it work for her that's it. I mean, she definitely didn't want to get pregnant, did she? I think bringing, what's his name, Hisham into the business and then mm-hmm. him firing her just because she doesn't win the client that he's demanding for her. He puts her in a really sort mm-hmm. of precarious position. And I think it's one of the, it's one of the interesting dynamics 
in the show actually their relationship together because obviously it's not a romantic relationship it was mm. briefly sexual but the repercussions for that are gonna last the rest of her life and it's somebody who even though we do see a lot of very powerful men i mean matthias is a very traditional male figure um who actually shares a lot of <laughs> characteristics with andrea interestingly mm. but yeah. We see these men being quite selfish and doing things that are not necessarily helpful to her. But Hisham is the first person that is truly hurtful. And then she gets caught up in, again, the sort of fallout of a brief encounter. And it's quite, I feel it's quite tragic for her. I think she had a real sense of control it seemed at least leading up to the start of the series when the agency gets into trouble. She sort of then throws her life into this woman's hands to save the agency because it means so much to her. She then has this happen. She gets pregnant. She asks that woman back, even though it's very complicated. And that person makes her feel bad all the time, rightly, because she's trying to hold her responsible for some bad behavior. But it's like there was probably a version before this series started, before we were introduced to all of these big dramatic things happening, where Andrea was just a kick-ass agent running around, sleeping with a bunch of people, having the time of her life. And it's like suddenly <laughs> adulthood catches up with her and everything goes pretty hard for her. Mm, yeah, yeah. Up in, yeah, you're so right. Up until then, she was, you know, the carefree life of the single woman. Um mm. And it's a great life. There's no real responsibility, you know, you're just kind of like you've only yourself to look after and you don't have to think about anyone else, no compromises. Um, and yeah, you just like go with your own flow. But then, yeah, as soon as you got a, there's a kid in the picture, it's like, shit, I got to accommodate. Uh, <laughs> Which what is a struggle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do you know this really leads me on to my favorite episode, Sigourney? Okay, talk me, talk me through. <laughs> okay, so the reason I'm obsessed with this episode truly is because it's all about Andrea, right? Um, this episode, we obviously see Sigourney Weaver coming from the US to shoot a film in Paris. We understand that <clears throat> she only wants to work with Andrea, really. She asks for Andrea the minute she gets there, Andrea is caught up in the, the fallout, again, of her own behavior and being sort of cancelled by her own child care. So the start of this oh, episode, yeah. she is desperate to try and get her young child, Flora, back in the center. Please look after her. I'm very sorry for my behavior. I was a real dick. And she goes through a sort of minute-long explanation of how terrible and selfish she is as a person. That's truly the start of this episode. And the woman at the, what do you call them, crash <laughs> Nursery? <Yeah. laughs> Here's me pretending I know anything about childcare. Um, <laughs> the woman's like, girl, no, we'll, we'll speak to you next year and we'll see if we can get Flora back in now that you've apologized for your behavior. But essentially, she sneaks her daughter into one of the cots there and leaves yeah. her there so she can go meet Sigourney Weaver. And obviously she's running late. She's, I think, been thrown up on. She gets Camille to go look after Sigourney until she's there. And in that sort of time that she's not with 
her client, we realized that Sigourney Weaver assumed she was with Gaspar Ullier in a romantic twist of a movie. And the whole sort of theme of this episode is the fact that Sigourney's actually been cast with, what's his name? Bernard, who is like an 80-year-old man who just wants to sit in a chair and has kind of a shitty love interest for this gorgeous 70-year-old woman. And the whole episode is Andrea and Sigourney trying to trick the producers into hiring this younger, more attractive, more talented, more engaged love interest. So the whole episode is about the difficulty women face in this industry, right? And we're Mm. seeing in tandem the difficulty Andrea is experiencing in her new role as a mother. So there's Mm. a sort of just like beautiful collective energy we see andrea at her best she manages to convince the writer slash producer to hire the younger actor then the the financers pull out because they can't imagine that 70 year old woman is going to be able to get anybody to sit in a cinema seat if they're dating someone who's 35 and the whole episode is about these sort of difficulties that women face and it's funny and it's engaging and it's a race against the clock. And obviously she goes to pick up Flora at the very end of the episode and she's getting yelled at by the woman at the crash, but she still got what she wants. It's just like the most perfect, thoughtful, funny, righteous, weirdly Mm. episode in a lot of the seasons i just am such a big fan of it yeah i just think yeah the thing about um you know the injustice women face in the industry uh that's touched on from the right from the get-go because the very first episode is cecile de france and she's meant to be cast in a quentin tarantino film and there's it's been a deal a year in the making a lot of back and forth between uh paris and la and cecile's had to do horse riding lessons english lessons there's been so much prep to get this role very much with the message cecile will be cast and at the end of the day quentin decides to go with someone younger apparently you know it was, <laughs> that was it the, the text that the agent got was it's a problem with age and so suddenly he's faced this with the dilemma of, oh, my God, how do I tell my client she didn't get cast because she's too old? And this woman, I want to say late 40s. I think even... she was turning 40 that year, Cecile de France. And I think the problem for Tarantino and Clan, uh, obviously in fictional land that this is set in, uh, mm. was that by the time the movie shot, she'd be 41. And that would actually be too old, even though she's not 40 yet. Over 40 would be way too old for a likable character in a major motion picture. Christ. <laughs> but this is it, isn't it? This is reality. Yeah. This is why it's yeah. so interesting and catches the viewer from the immediate first plot line. It's a world we live in. We all know that to be true. Yeah, because cues Cecile going off thinking, oh shit, I need to get Botox and I need to go down that road. And you just see a woman it like it just facing a crisis or like a question that she didn't think she she didn't realize she'd be at the door right now to this uh, what's the like, hurdle <laughs> what's my metaphor <laughs> <laughs> she didn't think that this would be her newest glass ceiling who knows <laughs> 
Yeah, we'll take it. Um, <laughs> but I think it's, I think it's that, uh, do you know what it is? As a woman, when you find yourself at the precipice of being told, oh, you know, you're leaving your youth behind, ergo, you're not sexy, you're not seen, you, the society doesn't value you anymore. It's really, suddenly you're like, am I, am I invisible? Am I, am I valid? Am I a part of this world? How can I stand on my two feet? And it, but no, maybe that's, that's like too much, but like, you know what I'm getting at? It's like, why is it, like, it just comes down so hard on women. We have to be presenting. So yeah, we have to be this, I don't know, just presenting so many different things like being the soft mother to look 35 forever to but, but that's <laughs> the key message right i think it's the it's the age thing i think all women need to act youthful appear youthful and by sort of i don't know the metaphorical sense of youth be submissive and naive and not a woman not a fully fledged adult with experience right and it is a concept women face every day of their lives in all industries. And we're e we are either always too young or too old, right? There's never an age that seems right as a woman. Um, we're always told one or the other. And it's a trap, particularly for actors and people in the entertainment industry. Yeah, absolutely. A cult celebrity ties in with the cult of wellness, ties in with... The cult of womanhood. <laughs> the cult of this fucking world, man. Um, no, I totally agree. And it's interesting thinking about that episode and the parallels because I think Sigourney is the penultimate episode of season four. And the first episode, we see Andrea have a sort of micro outrage at the fact that Cecile in that pilot episode has been tossed aside for her age. But she doesn't mm -hmm. care that much. It doesn't, it doesn't have anything to do with her because it's not her client when it's her mm -hmm, client mm -hmm. and her business she is okay yeah i'm a feminist yes we're gonna get a 35 year old man opposite you and it it's interesting because i don't think that shows any real growth in her character necessarily just shows truly work matters first that's her client that's her business that's her 10 percent. so now she's gonna try feminism on <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, very well put. Absolutely. I love it. Such a good episode. Yeah. Do you have a favorite Andrea moment or episode? I can't remember which episode it is, but it's the episode where she's going on a lot to help with an actor. I think she's trying to get a taxi. The car that's dropped her there is not there waiting for her. And she's trying to get a taxi. I'm just calling all these services and, and, you know, no one will send a car to her because she's too far away or it's like too late in the day. And she's just on the phone like, but what? I am a woman. I'm from Paris. I'm really sexy. I'm clearly in danger. Like, <laughs> you have to send someone straight away. <laughs> just so Such a good line. I know. I was just like, oh my God. Yes, absolutely. We'll be trying that if I'm ever stuck somewhere. I, I'm so sexy. I can't be left here. I will be attacked. <laughs> yeah, I think that actually, why aren't we all saying that? People would care more, surely. Yeah. Think about the service we'd get on Uber if we were like, God, I'm really sexy. I need a ride now. Yeah. Yeah, but also when they arrive, it's like, don't talk to me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm too sexy to be talked to. Thank you. <laughs>
<laughs> Maybe we should try that for a week. Just wander around London. And like the way we introduce ourselves to just about everyone is like, I have this need or I have this question, but I need it answered because I'm sexy. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I wonder if it be a thing where the Uber driver shows up and he's like, sorry, I'm looking for like a really sexy person. <laughs> where are they? <laughs> where are they? They said to be around here. And, and Dawson's right here. Oh, the, the terror. Okay, maybe, not. maybe this is not something we need to try in our own time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so good. Um, I also really like, I can't remember at what point in the series that it happens, but she gets an offer to head up sort of the Europe and I think Middle East division of a massive New York agency and tries to take Camille with her. And I was really surprised actually when that happened that she wanted to take her with her because I think on the surface, we don't really see for Andrea in the whole series that anyone really matters except Gabriel, Gabriel, uh, a little bit. And maybe Colette, <laughs> mm. maybe a little bit Question when mark. she's not Question cheating mark. on her or taking advantage of her. Um, mm. But it shows that I think there's a lot more happening under the surface. And I think there's something really, there's something really surprising and sweet about that moment that she actually wanted to take this sort of, you know, mentee of hers forward and into a positive position when she could have just binned it off and sort of saved herself, which is the actions of a normal everyday selfish person, right? It just showed an extra mm. sort of layer to her that I thought was really, uh, really nicely woven in. Um, I just it showed a real level of respect for Camille because we see her at the beginning when obviously she just you know she Andrea's so wrapped up in her own world she's just like fuck I've lost an assistant I just need a body to come in and mm. replace that person and she's just so like okay great you've no social life excellent just sit and do all these different things and I think it's really, you know, maybe it's maybe it's seeing a certain level of respect for another woman because I don't know if she respects Colette. I, I like just you know, she takes she. It's because she really takes it for granted, and but whereas she doesn't take Camille for granted. Mm. Oh, that's so true. And actually, she has a pretty good relationship with Arlette too, doesn't she? They have a real yeah. pally sort of trust in each other and easy respect with each other they don't work together very much i mean arlette just sort of swans around the agency making great deals because she's a legend um mm. but we don't see them cross paths very much but when they do there is a there's a professional respect isn't there yeah and i'm just thinking how andrea doesn't have very many she doesn't have any female friends no because she's had sex with them all yeah, I just think she, <laughs> I just think like she sees women. It's like I either sleep with you or I work with you, and that's it. Mm. Seeing her extend that offer to, I just felt like that was <laughs> that was a form of like it's like a mother. It was the most motherly aspect I'd probably seen of her. <laughs> yeah, her. forget Flora. Camille can be my baby. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like the most mother because like work is her baby. All those mm. clients are her babies. They take so much energy from her. She's nothing left to give that child. So, um, yeah. So then when she's offering Camille, that is like the most motherly thing she could have done. 
It's so true. You're so mm. right. Yeah. Oh, what a fascinating female character. Mm-hmm. Gotta love yeah. her. Where do you think she's going to be this next season? After the obvious trip to LA that they're doing in the movie. I wonder if she and Colette will just part ways. And if, well, I don't know if like there'll be childcare to get a nanny, if she'll actually meet someone that she truly loves and respects and will we'll see her grow that way. Um, I mean, she'll still be very wedded with her work. Or else, do you see her having like a breakdown and taking to gardening? <laughs> God, I hope not. Um, she is one character I do not want to see have a breakdown. Thank you. No, I would really like to see her being a bit of a hoe. I think it'd be nice to see her having her baby, learning to sort of balance both lives in a way that works for her, right? Like she doesn't need to become, you know, mother of all children, but it'd be nice to see her have a better work-life balance and to go back to being a bit of a home. I do think Colette needs to do one. I don't think they I agree for each other. Yeah. She needs to go. I, I just see that as being an inevitable outcome. Like that's what's going to happen next. I just really feel that. I yeah. hope so. That's, that's yeah. our one hope is that the woman she loves gets run over by a car or something. <laughs> that's a bit harsh now. I don't think Colette deserves that. No, Colette doesn't. Colette can move to Saint-Tropez. No, she will go to... Where would, she, where would she move to? I feel like she would either move to Brittany or the Dordogne. Mm, she needs to be around less people. Less people, more nature. I feel like she, she's a bit of a woodlands person as opposed to water. Mm. She would actually thrive if she was like the coolest person in her tiny town. Mm, I, feel, I see her opening like a tea shop. But she's a tax <laughs> auditor. Do you know what? Inherently, just like not the most entertaining people. Apologies yeah. to any tax auditors listening. Just... <sighs> <laughs> the resolving sigh of people who do not want Colette in this fictional character's romantic life. No. Yeah. But I guess it would yeah. suck for Flora if she was gone because she is her mom. Oh, it's very complicated. And that's Listen, what makes for good drama. <laughs> life is complicated, babe. Do you know? Like it's never it's not it's not all roses. Ain't that the truth? All right. Yeah. Are we wrapped up on Mrs. Andrea Martel? I think we are, my darling. Stunning work. Um, thank you yeah. guys for listening once again. Thank you. Do give us a follow and a review if you fancy it, if you're liking what you're listening to. Don't if mm -hmm. you didn't enjoy it. We don't want that. And we will see you next week with an mm -hmm. even better character, maybe. Who knows? Well, no, obviously we know. However, um, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, any notes, feedback, uh, give us an email. Hello at she's having an episode.com. Dot com. That's well, the official. That's the official. Thank ring. you. Thank you. Thank you, sunshine. <laughs> it's been a pleasure. <laughs> See you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.